We are going to get started. Today we're going to talk. We're, we're going to talk about confidence and humility, and I'm going to share a little bit of my own story. We're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to have fun together and chit chat. So, uh, let's start with some of our conceptions, possibly about these two words, and what maybe we think they do look like or should look like. So I've got, got some pictures here for us. I hope. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> Confidence and humility, some pictures. Here's my first picture. Confidence is, look at me, right? Humility, don't look at me. That might be one of our conceptions about what this is. Or, I got this. Yes, I do. I don't got this. <laughs> oh, no. Or, you know, we've got, anybody recognize this person on the, June Cleaver, the perfect Mother, hospitable at all times, never raises her voice, <laughs> or I am woman, hear me roar, stay out of my way, right? Uh, if you've seen Devil Wears Prada, so Anne Hathaway starts out like this, very meek, not dressing appropriately, and then kabam, right? Full of confidence. Or we have sort of our real life heroes and icons, right? So these could be some of our conceptions or thoughts about what confidence, humility is or is supposed to be. Um, I want to start with one of my own uh, stories about notions about, in particular, humility. Okay? So some of you know that I'm a piano player, so I grew up taking piano, which means then you also do recitals and competitions and play for choirs. And so being on a stage in front of people is pretty normal. And that was kind of my way of growing up and uh, performing and asking questions like, um, did I do a good job? How could I have done better? Did people like what I did? Uh, if I'm in a competition, did I do better than the other person, right? Very normal questions that you ask as a piano player. Always, though, in the back of my head aware that there's a little danger zone there, that the pride thing can creep in, that the self-centeredness thing can creep in. Then as a young adult, when I started leading worship, those questions got bigger. Wait a minute, this isn't actually supposed to be about me. <laughs> it's about God. But I'm still thinking about, did I play the right notes? Am I doing a good job? Are people singing along? You know, all of those questions, right? So this wrestling match began inside of me of how do I do this well and with humility? So I started praying for humility. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. I was scared to death to pray for humility because of what I thought God would do, okay? So I had this very specific conversation with Susan Garlinger years ago at a women's retreat. And I said, Susan, I just need you to know I might actually trip and fall off the stage because <laughs> I've been praying for humility. And I'm pretty sure something is going to have to happen like that <laughs> in order, right? That's ex I mean, truly, that's how I was thinking. So, and we, that's been a joke with us ever since. You know, she'll kind of, have you fallen off the stage lately? And so, then later in my journey, um, I remember having a moment in worship where, yes, I'm up front, I'm on the stage, I'm leading, and yet, <laughs> you're good, you're good. And yet, in that moment of worship, I um, was so filled with God so aware of his presence, so immersed in him, 
that there was a short period of time where I was completely unaware of myself. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Where you actually don't think about you and the fact that you're leading or that you're, you're in this position or whatever it is. And afterwards I went, oh, God, that was so beautiful. Thank you. And I'm just worshiping him for that moment. And I hear him say back to me, that was humility. I went, what? 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 And then as I started to process, that light bulb goes on and you go, oh, this is what humility looks like? I didn't have to think about me. I got to think about you. I had nothing to do with whether we're doing a good job and everybody's singing. It was just all about, that's humility? I can pray for that because it was beautiful, (laughs) right? You get a taste of something and you want to taste more. So that's kind of my frame of reference today um, is that experience in my personal life and that has continued to grow and that I'm no longer afraid to pray for humility because I don't think it means humiliation. I don't think it means embarrassed, right? I don't think it means God saying, nope, I'm going to knock you flat, okay? So I'm pretty excited to talk about the idea of confidence and humility. One of the things I think that we tend to do is put things on continuums. So over on this end is humility. Over on this end is confidence. And somewhere right smack dab in the middle is this perfect spot, right, the target. If I can get this balancing act figured out, right, then I've, I've got it. And everyone, I teeter and I totter between humility and confidence. And today, actually, what I want to do is move away from the idea of a continuum because I don't think it's terribly helpful, okay? But for one second or a couple of seconds, we're going to stay here because I do think it helps us in one way. I think it helps us to identify what I'll call unhealthy poles, okay? Poles being like the polar opposites. All right, so here's what I mean. Sometimes I go to the far extreme, to unhealthy places or the dark side of what I think is humility. Okay, and we're going to think about what does that look like. Sometimes I go to the other extreme, to overconfidence, distorted confidence, and I act out in certain ways. Okay, so here's what I want us to do. I want us to think about, not about how everybody else does this, but we're actually going to think about ourselves, okay? What does this look like when I get unhealthy in either one of these areas? And I'm going to start, and then I'm going to have you kind of add some of your own comments and ideas about that. So for me, when I think I'm being humble, but it's actually unhealthy, what it looks like is I can't accept a compliment, right? Somebody comes up to me and thanks me or notices something about me, and I'm like, nope, it's just God, or I just, I can't, I can't receive it. I can't just simply say, thank you, okay? Sometimes I call that humility, and I don't think it always is. Another way for me that it gets dark is when I uh, get insecure, and I say, I can't do this. I don't know how, and I crawl into that insecure hole. Well, I could probably rationalize it as being, I'm just being humble. It's not really humility. It's actually insecurity, okay? So those those are some examples from me. Uh, Confidence, when I go over to the other pole, uh, overconfidence often for me looks like control, okay? So I'm going to be a good leader. I'm going to be strong and lead my team, and then it turns into 
I'm going to control how this works. And um, so does that make sense, kind of what those things can look like? The reason we're doing this is because I think self-awareness is super helpful, that when behaviors crop up, we can just start to recognize them, name them, and go, oh, that's probably unhealthy. Let's, let's think this one through again. Let's, let's pray about this one. So here's my question for you. What does unhealthy humility look like? What does unhealthy confidence look like? Take a second to think about that. You may even do a little journaling. And then I would love for any of you who would be willing to share some other examples. It helps us understand when we hear from other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you guys hear that? Uh, when, when, it, when I think, I don't have needs, I'm just going to take care of everyone else, a little bit self-deprecating, it's easy to do as a mom, uh, easy to do as a caregiver, if that's your God language, or a helper. Mm-hmm. Please make me humble, but what if nobody notices? We, can, we all laughed because we can all relate, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. A lot of apologizing. Mm-hmm. Good job, you guys. Wow, this is good self-awareness. Woulda, shoulda, couldas, dwelling on those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. So that would be a sort of a, a unhealthy humility. The revisiting of, yeah, yeah. Revisiting of past sins when God's not revisiting them. Susan? Okay. Yeah. I know it's what I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to do it. Good. Thanks, ladies. Um, that's super helpful. Um, so we're going to actually now move away, though, from the continuum and look at a different way to approach these two sometimes seemingly opposite things, humility and confidence. And the way we're going to do that is with this nice symbol. Okay? You've kind of seen that around here quite a bit, right? The ampersand. The and. I have come to believe that confidence and humility are great mates, that they partner perfectly together, and that we get to ask God for not 50-50, the balance point, that perfect middle. We get to ask God for full measure of both, that they work so well together, 100%, 100%. And so that's how we're going to look at today, look at it today, is that we're going to lean into both humility and confidence, and we're going to not worry so much about the balancing act right in the middle, okay? So the way we're going to do this is we're going to look at Jesus, and I meant to pass these out, but I did not. So as we're passing these out, let me just say a word about uh, looking at Jesus. 
So we know that Jesus is fully human and fully divine, right? I grew up in a sort of a church background where mostly we focused on Jesus as divine. Anybody else relate to that at all? Yeah, I see some, some heads nodding. And so in recent years, I've been spending a little bit more time with this idea of what did it mean that Jesus is fully human, okay? What are the implications of that? And I've come to believe that one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth, one of many, is to show us what godly humans look like, okay? That Jesus came to demonstrate what it looks like to be full of God as a human. And that he didn't say, okay, guys, be like me. Try really hard. You're never going to get there, suckers, right? <laughs> Does, doesn't that feel that way sometimes? I, didn't, I don't hear him saying that. When he left, he said, the Father and I are one, and you and I get to be one in the same way. Okay, so we actually get to be like Jesus ever increasingly. And it's not this futile attempt. We actually get to taste it and grow in it and be in it and be godly humans. So that's why we look at Jesus, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with uh, Philippians 2 that you have in front of you. And I'm going to read it a couple times. And would you just listen to the word? Pay attention to the word. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Take a second to just notice things, what jumped out at you. You might circle a couple words, make some notes, and then I'm going to read it again in a second. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest 
place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You hear the humility? Yes, do you hear the confidence, the glory, the exaltation? They're both there in full measure. So we get to look at Jesus today together and learn from him. So help me out here. Let's think about Jesus, what we know about him, his life, his personality, his words, his behaviors. I started a list <coughs> of things I see in Jesus about humility, and then I'd love for you to add to the list, okay? So to me, humility looks like he loved the unlovely. He hung out with the wrong crowd. He washed feet, <laughs> the feet of his friends. He didn't defend himself at times, right, when he was being accused. And he hung like a criminal. What else would you say about the humility of Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. He was a teacher. He wanted to have the conversation, not, I know everything, listen to me. Mm-hmm. He was a storyteller rather than a dictator or lecturer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It'd be so easy to just fall under the religious order to fit in, but he, in humility, um, walked differently. Mm-hmm. Invitational rather than demanding to follow. He totally accepted people where they were, time after time. Mm -hmm. Didn't expect them to change. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He just noticed people, their needs. Mm hmm. When he went away to solitary places to be alone with the Father, I have needs too. That was a humble act. Yeah. Good. Let's keep going um, now to the confidence of Jesus. Where do we see this? Um, I think the fact that he asked people to follow him, that takes a degree of confidence, right? Leave your nets. Come after me. He did speak with authority. Um, it wasn't in your face necessarily most of the time, but it was with authority and strength. He was able to challenge leaders when it was appropriate. He had the confidence to reach out and heal people. Doesn't that take some great confidence? He sometimes told people what to do. Collect the loaves and fishes. Pass them out. It, 
Go prepare a meal. Yeah, the confidence to live radically, kind of what you were saying back, back there, that he lived different, wasn't pressured to be somebody he wasn't. And he claimed to be the son of God. <laughs> Takes a little bit of confidence, right? Yeah. What would you add to this list? Didn't give in to others' demands. Mm -hmm. And that would apply also to the politi political expectations as well. This is what you want to, want, what we want you to be, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're seeing the crossover because they don't always land in, in the clean buckets. They're partners. Mm-hmm. Any others? He spoke truth. Mm-hmm. There was something over here. The confidence and the humility to go to the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In equal measure. It's good. Okay, let's keep let's keep going. We're gonna learn from Jesus. I want to point to um, four things about Jesus that I think contributed to his ability to walk in such confidence and such humility. And I'm sure we can think of more than four, but these are the ones I'd like to point to today. So the first one is that Jesus knew who he was. So we're going to mostly look at the very beginning of his ministry life as recorded in the Gospels. And we're going to look at that scene from his baptism where when he goes under the water and he comes back up, he hears from the Father, this is my son. Jesus had no doubt about who he was. He told people, I am the son of God. He behaved with confidence because he was secure in his identity. So he walked in the confidence of knowing who he was and, as we already mentioned, the humility then to when at the in, in the last days when he was being taunted, you say you're the son of God. He knew then it was appropriate to say nothing, right? Confidence and humility. He knew who he was. I want to talk a little bit about identity and how this applies to us. So when I think about identity, the picture that comes to mind for me is of a wheel, okay? The wheel with a center and then spokes coming out of it. And in my mind, it's an old rustic wagon wheel, okay? So imagine with me a wheel and the center being essential to the function of that wheel, right? The center to me is a picture of our core identity, okay? That piece of us that can never be taken away, and when it is taken away for whatever reason, that wheel just falls apart. It crumbles. It can't function. Coming out of the center are the spokes that are also very important. Those are other pieces of our identity, okay, that help that wheel function. At the center is the words of the Father. You are my kid. You are my daughter. You are mine. I formed you in your mother's womb. I, ha I know your days. They are planned out for you. To me, that is the core, that center. And out of that comes things like, I'm a mom. I'm a pastor. I like nature. I like to sing. Those are really important aspects of my identity, right? But all of those things coming out of center are finite or vulnerable in some way, okay? They cannot hold that center, that wheel together on their own. 
And often I'm trying to pull one of those spokes <laughs> into the center, you know? I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. Great, <laughs> but that's not going to hold you together. I'm a mom, I'm a mom. Today I feel like a great mom. Tomorrow, maybe not, right? It's a really wobbly thing to put in the center. But your identity in God, is that finite? Nope. Is it vulnerable? It feels vulnerable sometimes, but is it? Nobody can take it away from you because his voice is sure. And he says to us, you're mine. You're my kid. You're my daughter. I think that's what Jesus had at his center because he heard those words at the very beginning of his ministry life. And I think what we get to learn from Jesus <coughs> is to ask God, who do you say that I am? I think this is a not a one-time deal, but a rhythm of life. Because, once again, I tend to get swayed into, well, this is who I am. Or other people tend to tell me, this is who you are. And I need to hear from the voice of the Father over and over and over again, you're my kid. That's who you are. That's where it all starts. I think of, you know, toddlers when um, they're at the, the, like at the park, and they're running around, they're sweaty, they're having fun with their friends, and then they see their mom or dad over on the bench. What do they do sometimes? Run over, get a hug, get a kiss, and then run back playing, right? To me, that's a picture of what we get to do with the father, you know, just home base, home base. Oh, yeah, I'm your kid, right? And then you go play, and then you come back. Oh, yeah, I'm your kid, right? So Jesus knew who he was, and I think we get to ask God over and over again, who do you say that I am? Next, uh, closely related, same scene. Jesus knew he was loved and that the Father was pleased with him. So you know the words, right? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What strikes me about this scene is that it happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry life before he had done anything spectacular. Okay? You get that? I love you. I'm pleased with you. You haven't even healed anyone yet. You haven't even, you know, come on the scene. I love you is the starting point. I'm pleased with you is the starting point, not something you have to earn. And I think Jesus walked in this confidence of knowing he was loved. And he walked in the humility of then being able to love others in the same way and love us unimaginably at the cross. Uh, some of you have heard me tell this story, but uh, I'm going to tell it again anyway. Uh, one day years ago, I was driving to work, <coughs> and I was just beginning to entertain the idea that I could hear from God, okay? So I'm driving over the bridge, and I'm a, I'm a list maker. I'm a task person. I love to think about what I'm going to get done because I feel great about it when I do, and so I'm thinking about my day and making a list, and um, and then I go, oh, yeah, oh, hey, God, you know, kind of do that check-in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I hear him say back to me in his voice, whatever, um, I love you. And I'm like, okay, uh, that's really off topic right now. 
okay? I'm having fun planning my day, okay? So um, then I hear him do something that just cracked me up. I start hearing, I love you, I love you, I like, like this repetitive until it crowds out my agenda and my thoughts. By the time I drive into work, you can imagine I've got tears because my father reminded me that before you get anything done today, I love you, okay? Now, did I get to get stuff done? Heck yeah. <laughs> and it was fun, but... I got to hear this first, okay? So often I get it switched around, you know? Get to the end of my day, hey, Father, do you love me? Look what, look what I did. No, I loved you before that. That's what I love about this scene with Jesus. This is my kid, beloved, and I'm pleased. So you and I get to ask God, to speak his love and pleasure over us. And once again, I think this is a rhythm, not a one-time deal. Because how many times do your kids need to hear how much you love them? Forever and ever, over and over again. I have a 19-year-old, same deal, right? I'm 45. My mommy tells me she loves me all the time, right, Karen? You know my mommy. <laughs> yep, yep. Forever and ever, we get to ask God to speak his love and pleasure over us. And I don't think that is a selfish pursuit. I really don't. I think it's identity shaping. All righty. Jesus knew his purpose. I'm going to pull up my phone so I can read the Bible to us. So, another scene from the beginning of his ministry life. This is Luke 4. Oh, I didn't bring my glasses. Okay, we can do this. So, Jesus stands in front of the people, and he pulls out the scroll of Isaiah, and he begins to read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he said to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That took some confidence, yes? To pull open their scripture, read it, and say, that's me. And yet, what's that? That's Luke 4, 18-ish. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> it took incredible confidence, and the very nature of the prophecy is humble acts, right? His whole purpose was to heal the broken, to love the unlovely, to restore that which has been torn down. Those are humble acts. Once again, he had to hang out with the wrong people. He had to touch lepers, go up to people who were insane, get close to them and release them. Humble acts. 
I just think this is a picture of extreme confidence and extreme humility partnered together. He knew his purpose. As you think about it, God gave him in his humanness all the skills that he needed to do this, right? Jesus was winsome. He was able to go up to the fishermen and say, drop your nets and follow me, and they did. He uh, had a strong presence. He was able to stand in front of crowds and teach them. He was able to heal. God gave him the gifts that he needed in order to fulfill the purpose. So here's what I think we get to do. I think we get to ask God, why did you make me this way? What are the unique skills, the passions, personality traits that you've given me so that I can carry out your purpose for my life? I think we get to make note of what God has put into us because that's going to kind of give us clues about purpose. When I'm talking purpose, I don't necessarily mean your job that you go to every day, right? It can be. Purpose is a lot bigger than that. And I also don't mean, as you kind of pointed out, it's always big and noticeable, okay? A lot of times it's the little stuff. What is my purpose? Why has God made me this way? So here's what I want you to do. Got to keep an eye on time, but I think we can do this. I'm going to ask you to journal for a second. And what I'd like you to do is a free write, which means I give you a set amount of time and you start writing and you don't stop, okay? You don't edit. You don't make sure it's spelled right, okay? You just start writing. And then I say stop and you stop, okay? <laughs> can you do it? I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? <laughs> no editing. So um, do you all have something to write with or on? If not, I have stuff for you. Anybody need a pen? Anybody need a piece of paper? Yes. Anybody else need a pen or a piece of paper? Okay. This will not be graded, I promise. All right. Uh, I'll give you the prompt in a second, and then I'm going to, I'm going to, hang on. I'm going to use a timer. I'm going to give you three minutes to write. We'll see how this goes. I didn't test this up. I'm just making this up as I go along. awesome okay here's your prompt what are things that I like about myself what are things I know I am good at ready set go Ready, set, stop. And if that didn't feel like three minutes, it's because it wasn't. It's <laughs> 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 two. It's two. Okay, how was that? Is it okay? Good. I like that. Awesome. Here's where your huddles are going to happen. What I want you to do is I want you to have the courage and the confidence and the humility because this is what God's put into you, okay? This is his creation, so it's okay to talk about it. I want you to share with each other something you're good at, okay? You don't have to share, the, don't share the whole thing. We don't have time for that, okay? 
don't do that. Just share with each other a little bit about what you're good at, okay? So huddle up. You can do this. Ready, set, go. Let's wrap it up. How was that? Good? It was okay? Right on. The reason I had us do this is because, once again, I think this helps us identify purpose. When we look at the stuff that God's put in us, it helps us kind of trace it back to, oh, this is why he put me here. This is why he created me, okay? So an example for my life is um, I started out at a young adult as a school teacher and uh, loved teaching. And every once in a while I'd be like, wait a minute, God, am I doing your work? Like teaching science and math? And, and so I would <laughs> talk to him about that and I would hear him say, yeah, you're, you're teaching humans how to learn well and in safety and ask good questions. And that's, that's a spiritual thing, you know, right? And so then I got a job here at the church. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm doing God's work. Um, and then I'd have to think about, okay, but what are the particular gifts that he's given me, and why am I here? And it was really similar. It was I love being a part of us learning together, whether it's singing or reading scripture. And I love, like, creating these opportunities. And so, for instance, one of my favorite things to do now is to do stuff like Way of the Cross where we take the story that we know and we get to walk in it and be creative with it and listen to it again in fresh ways. God's given me a passion and ability and love to do those kinds of things, and I can trace it back and go, oh, I've always been this way, and I always get to be this way. doesn't matter where I'm working or what I'm doing or what conversation I'm in. That's just who he's made me to be. And I think we see that in Jesus, and I see it you as well and so I don't think it's us bragging necessarily it can be right when I say I'm good at I think it's also an act of worship my creator <laughs> did this and I get to join him <laughs> in what he's doing so I'm going to do that well with confidence and humility because it is actually about him I just get to be here, right, <laughs> in my body, in my personality. So uh, lastly, the last thing I want to point to about Jesus was that he knew who was leading him. I think he got to walk in such confidence and humility because he only did what the Father told him to do. Jesus said, I'm not in charge here. I'm just listening 
to the Creator, to Yahweh. He's telling me what to say and to do. So that gives me confidence and it gives me humility. And we talked about this earlier. I think Julie pointed to it that Jesus' days were full, right? And he walked in boldness. And then he would say, it's time to move on. Or it's time for me to go away and be quiet. That took confidence and humility as well, right? Sometimes we think that we're just supposed to keep busy, 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 busy. That's our purpose, right? Doing God's work, doing God's work. And we don't have the confidence or humility to say, God's asking me to step away, to move on, to be quiet and listen to him, right? Because he's in charge. So knowing who's in charge gives us confidence and humility to do what we're supposed to do, what he's telling us to do. So I think that we get to ask him again and again to be our leader. And God, how do you want me to talk, to act, to spend my time? I only do what the Father tells me to do. Those are not just the words of Jesus. When he left, he said, that's how it's going to work for you too. That's how it worked for me. Father and I are one, and you and I are one. Same deal. The Holy Spirit is going to be in you and tell you what the Father needs you to hear. So we get to ask him to be our leader over and over again. All righty, our time is almost up. So here's what I'd like for us to do is to pause once again. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to journal and then a little bit of time to huddle up one more time. So the big question is, Jesus, what do you want to teach me today? So many things, right? But I, I think Jesus has one or two things for you today. You don't have to take this whole teaching and go, okay, I'm going to apply it like this, 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 and this. Nope, Jesus, what do you want me to hear today? You get to ask him that. And then I'm going to just put on the screen the four questions that we posed. This one being about identity. Who do you say that I am? How do you want to speak your love and pleasure over me? Why would you make me this way? Will you be my leader? There might be one that jumped out at you that you need to go back to and say, that's, that's my one question for God right now. Okay? So I'm just going to give you time. Either camp out on, on the big question or pick one of the little questions. Do a little bit of journaling, and then I'm going to have you huddle up one more time. Okay? Go for it. Some of you are probably just getting started, but this is just a conversation to continue, right, with you and God. And... Our time is almost up, so here's what I'd like you to do in your huddles. If it's appropriate, sometimes things are more personal or private or you're still processing and you don't want to share, and that's okay. But if it's appropriate, uh, share with your huddle what Jesus is teaching you today. And then you guys get to just quickly bless each other, okay? Bless each other with humility and confidence. That's all you got to pray. Don't pray any fixes over each other, okay? <laughs> Don't do it. It's so tempting. Just bless each other and send each other to your next session, okay? Any questions? Once you're done chatting and praying, 
head on out to your next one. All right. Thanks, ladies, so much for being here today. Thank you.